Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Lean with Dean podcast. I believe we're on episode 11 and I am your host, Dean. So here we have another intro, guys, before an absolute showstopper of an episode with none other than Paul Dermody. Paul Dermody, Dermody is an online coach. He is a very successful podcaster. He's kind of a big deal. Um, great to chat to this guy. Really just a wealth of knowledge and a very interesting way of thinking. And how he processes information and kind of challenges his own thoughts is something that I am probably going to start to do myself. And not just thinking something, but asking myself, why am I thinking this? I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, go ahead and make sure to show some love. Give us an L rating, an L cheeky five stars on whatever you're listening to us on. Even screenshot and bang it up on your Instagram stories as well. Every little helps. Tell us how good it is. Tell us how shit it is. Once you're enjoying it, I don't mind. As always, guys, have a cracking day, and I hope you enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed it, and if you enjoy it half as much as I did, I think we're on to something. Do it. Paul Dermody, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, firstly, to the, to the listeners and the viewers, wherever you're kind of watching, listening to this, thank you for being my first interview. Not the first to be released, because Mr. Shane Walsh is ahead of you, but I think not a bad, not a bad number two to be released, but definitely thank you for coming on and being my first uh, guest on the Lean with Dean podcast, mate. Jeez, I'm wondering why Shano made the cut, and I'm demoted to number two. I, 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 I blame Brian Kane for the two year being on 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 my radar. To be honest, like because obviously I've known of the two years for quite a long time, but whenever I listen to any of Kano's uh, podcasts, he always mentions the two year. I'm like, for fix it. This is sublim- This is subliminal messaging, like beyond anything I've ever seen. Uh, I have a lot to be grateful to Brian for. To be fair, he's He's a great lad. He's been a big help to me in my career over the years. Yeah. Now, and uh, anyone who I speak to in the industry like kind of doesn't have a bad thing to say about them, whether they are a fit pro or they are just like a Joe So. Like, no one has a bad word to say about the lad. Yeah, uh, he's one of my closest friends. To be fair, I mean, I'm grateful for a lot of the business, my perspective, if you like, that he would have given me at the start. But he's actually one of my closest friends as well. So that I have no doubt. Yeah. Do you feel that kind of in the industry, like kind of when we started off in fitness? Like people are very, very guarded. And now over the years that we've actually, trainers are now becoming more friendly with each other as opposed to just being like, you stick with your clients, I stick with my clients and we don't cross borders. Whereas now a lot of trainers are starting to collaborate and kind of almost cross-pollinate. It, it, that's an interesting question. It's not something I would have paid particular attention to. I could definitely see it just by understanding human nature. I'm kind of lucky in the sense that Brian would be the first person I would know to very much refer out and, and he's legitimate when he says that like i have seen brian like i've had client applications from people going i actually applied to brian Keane, and he suggests that you'd be a better fit for me and i think shane's had the same luxury i think there are other coaches in ireland that have had the same privilege if you like uh, so it's not to tell you the truth it's not something i have been overly aware of in that um exactly what i just said but it, judging by human nature i can definitely see how how that's a possibility. But I actually do think when you start to work on your mentality enough, you do begin eventually to see that you're not in competition with other trainers. I know this is almost such a cliche, but I personally consider myself always to be in competition with my own procrastination. I'm in competition with my own stories or my own limitations or my own beliefs or my own stupidity, my mm-hmm. own ignorance, my own fundamental lack of knowledge that I don't really have time to think about the made-up stories that's going on in my head about 
or one of the millions of other personal trainers. There, like there's millions of clients on the planet. Exactly. You can't tell me there's not a yeah, there's not enough success for all of us. So um, I actually think you're really, really putting a handicap to some degree on yourself or a limitation on yourself to some massive degree if you feel in competition with any kind of other trainers. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see that being a thing. I've been lucky, whether it's the group of people I hang out with or just natural mentality. Hmm. Not quite how I navigate the world. Yeah, no, uh, completely agree. And kind of, it's one of those things like if you get in with a good crowd early, like you're laughing and kind of like if you have that good, like non egotistical kind of peers in the fitness industry, that I, or any industry to be fair, where you can refer clients back and forth. Like I know myself, if someone approached me for uh, as, a, as a coaching client and they're really into bodybuilding, I like, I'd be able to get into the dance, but I know there'll be someone who'll be way better at it than me. So I would refer them over to, whether it's um, Larry Doyle or it's kind of other kind of top level kind of physique bodybuilding coaches in the industry. Precisely. And I would be the same as you. I, I have competed in a, a physique competition, but I have not kept up with any at all of the science behind that level of leanness in the last six years. So I would be very unaware of my own limitations or maybe aware. I don't know yet, but I'd be mm. the same. If I was to get that kind of client <laughs> applying for coaching now, I would make them extremely aware that I'm, there's definitely better fits out there. Yeah. Do you feel that when you dipped your toe into the, phys- the physique bodybuilding and kind of competing in shows now, was that 100% your authentic self? Or was that I'm doing this because I think it's what I need to do in order to be successful in the industry? Uh, I didn't actually have any personal training aspirations when I competed. I competed long before that. Um, I competed because I, mo- I moved into the house with Brian and Brian uh, was living with another physique competitor, Ben. I just honestly got influenced, to tell you the truth. I was actually probably lacking, yeah, I know it's true. I was lacking a little bit of identity. I was 25, a bit lost in life. Didn't particularly love my job. Um, Single, not particularly dating anyone. So I didn't have a lot going on in life. Yeah. And I felt, started training and I started just doing a little bit of a, a diet kind of in the way that I'd never done before because of the two lads got lean enough. And then I just decided I was going to try and, try my hand because i'd been training for years but yeah. never really taking it the diet part as seriously as perhaps i could have but then i did obviously but yeah i i wasn't i wasn't my authentic self that wasn't quite me i'm so glad i did it i had a, i actually did have a good experience with the competition i did very much develop some disordered eating behaviors that i would have always had when i was younger yeah afterwards um but yeah i have no regrets about it but certainly wasn't authentic me i'm a lot happier today i'll put it that way yeah and you, because you um, you tasted that and kind of you went there and when someone kind of comes to you and they're not 100% all in on bodybuilding, you can say, hang on, I was there. This is this is potentially, not, not going to say a risk, but this is what can potentially happen if you go down this road and you can better educate a client whether they want to go all in. Here, go with Barry down the road or actually I was there. You don't see him all in, in the body, bodybuilding space. So I would probably suggest you kind of go with something a little bit more holistic and we kind of deal with that uh, precisely um when i did compete i very much remember the feeling that 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 evening of oh wow i've spent the whole last couple of months trying to climb this mountain and i shouldn't feel like this it's such a cliche because i've heard this a lot in life but i i've spent this month of preparation you know thought i'd be elated wasn't expecting to place. I had actually started the preparation I was doing for a show that was actually a couple of months down the line. I just happened to be ready sooner. Yeah. Probably part of my former obsessive personality that I really used to find hard to control. I, I, I found it very difficult to 
channel my obsession into certain things and, and they could have led me down a very different path. Luckily, I've managed to channel it yeah. where I wanted to be. But I remember that feeling that night. It was very much a, I've spent the last four months trying to climb this mountain. I thought I'd feel a very different way. And I felt, it's such a cliche, I know, but I felt hollow and empty and like I had built up to this anticipation of a feeling that was going to give me all the happiness I wanted. And it didn't do it for me. Mm. So I naturally had to just go back, self-reflect and change. And it, it is a little bit easier now to see, you know who's, there's only a tiny, tiny subset of the population that are interested in that kind of bodybuilding life. Yeah. Um, like, I would imagine you mentioned people like Larry Doyle and Brian Keane, for example, when they did it, they loved it while they did it. I mean, I assume they did. I can't speak for the people. Um, I didn't. I, I yeah. didn't have a negative experience, but I certainly didn't love it. And I pulled away from it. And I, I do think myself pulling away from it, I pulled away from it. And then I was just within months, I was the happiest I'd ever been. I eventually started to go into personal training. It was a job I love. I'd met a girl. Life was good. Mm. And I, I think I influenced my friend Ben to pull away from competing. And he had a similar rebirth, if you like. And I do think that kind of passively influenced Brian to step away from it too. The fact that he saw two of his housemates and two of his best friends go through the same path, come away from the same path. Yeah. He, both of us infinitely more happy. And, and he, I would argue Brian's probably more his authentic self now as well as a result. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes you can't see the forest from the trees. Totally. Absolutely. You need to have, you need to have that kind of, I don't know, until, until someone shines a light on it, nobody actually shined a light on it for me. I just kind of shone a light on it myself and thought, this is really stupid. I'm not happy. (laughs) But I've always been quite good at that in life. If I'm not happy, I'm the first to make a change. I, I knew I was not being happy in Ireland anymore in 2018. And I loved my job. But I just was training one-to-one and I had maxed out my client base. And I loved the, as Brian says, the cognitive stretch of moving towards something. And as soon as I feel like I'm moving towards a plateau or lack of happiness, I do think one of my strengths is that I'm quite emotionally aware of my own feelings. And yeah. I have quite strong boundaries and quite strong feelings, if you get me, if that makes any sense at all. So I've always had that ability to shine the light back on my own behaviors and just make myself happy. I'm very fortunate in that sense. But I think that was what shined the, I don't know if Brian's ever said it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about influencing Brian. I know I influenced my best mate, Ben. I think yeah. it was just shining that light out that influenced the two lads to go, oh, hang on. Like, maybe that's not the path. Yeah. I, I, I want to kind of touch on something you just said there, because I've done a couple of Instagram live kind of conversations with a few people over the last couple of weeks, just during lockdown, kind of uh, just getting to know what a PT is and that. And one thing that was said is if it's a direct quote from the film Cool Runnings is if you're not enough without the gold medal, you'll never be enough with it. And John Clark kind of, he's a like two times UK uh, natural strongest man. And he was like, he said, if you're not enough without a 300 kilo deadlift, you'll never be enough with a 400 kilo deadlift. And I think there is that you only know if you need something and if it completes you after you've got there, but we should chase happiness, not the accomplishment. But I absolutely agree with that. I'm, I'm very fortunate. That lesson taught me one of my best life lessons to date, and that is I'm never going to compensate from missing this with, you know, from a place of external gratification, if you like. It's only going to come from within. I will never take that mistake forward again. Mm. I have no attachment to being the business guy now that I am actively trying to grow a business. I have no attachment to a financial target making me super happy. I live the same life I live today as I did five, six years ago when I met 10 euros taking my first PT client. I have made a very conscious decision to never get carried away trying to climb the wrong mountain, that the climb is going to be the, the, the best part of the experience and that view from the peak is going to fleet and last about five minutes, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you're not happy when you're hiking, you're certainly not going to be happy at the top. 
I, I, I fundamentally agree with that. If you're not enough without, you'll never be enough with, theoretically. Um, because there's just so much in life you can't control. You cannot so control outcomes. I was just listening to a Naval podcast, and he said, oh, what did he say? The exact phrase was, oh, don't, you know, work for the work. Don't work just for the, the, the fruits you're going to harvest or whatever. Basically, don't expect don't work just for the outcomes you're going to have work because you want to do the work itself. Yeah. And that's where I've been fortunate enough to take that lesson from years back that, you know, when you do things for the thing's sake, that's almost when art is at its best. That's when life is at its best. That's when work is at its best. Uh, I actually, you, before we went on, you asked me about leaving Ireland just before COVID. I did a life rehaul just before COVID. If nobody could give me any gratification, nobody in the world could see what I'm trying to achieve, or see what I'm up to, or, or give me any credit for what I'm about to achieve in life, in any capacity, and these are small things, uh, would I still live the same life, and would I post on Instagram the same way? And it really helped me get very clear on things that I want to achieve that are deeply intrinsic to me. So I go to a Spanish lesson, for example, three mornings a week at 7 a.m., and I love it. Nobody makes me do it. Nobody makes me get out of bed. I absolutely love it. The, the behavior is in itself the reward. The mistakes that I make are part of the process. You know, there's no fluency without a thousand errors. There's no one day you're just brilliant. You just feel that cognitive stretch from all the lessons. But the behavior is the reward. That's a very small metaphor for the way I'm seeing life, for the way I'm seeing business, for the way I'm seeing everything. That if you like showing up and you like what you're doing day to day and you're not afraid to make mistakes and you're not afraid to be seen to slip and nobody's going to come along and pat you on the back. And also with a language, because it's such a good metaphor. Like, I can't skip that journey. I can't go on Instagram and read a script and have a, people go, oh, you're the best, you're the best, because <laughs> I'm going to get found out within five minutes. Yeah. And it's just very much kind of, it, it's only a small thing, but if it encourages even one person to stop and audit their own behavior and see if they're doing the right things, it, it, I think it's a, a good way to, to um, do certain behaviors, if you like. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely great. And like the the life hall, like kind of completely overhauling your life. And like I know we moved to Barcelona a couple of years back. Um and then we come back to Ireland and now we're over in Vietnam. Why did you make the switch to becoming an online coach? I made it because I did want the freedom to travel. My dream always has been to live in Spain since I've been a young lad. I nearly went in 2014 to be a waiter and I was going to go. And then I thought I can't live on sixty or fifty an hour. That was all that the salary was. And yeah. I just didn't go too 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 <clears throat> bad of a salary to live in. But when I was one-to-one -one training, I, was, I had a full one-to-one -one diary, um, not stuck for clients at any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I just, one-to-one -one was something I loved. And I was just starting to feel I needed a new challenge. And I thought, I remember, I specifically remember I had a Spanish client and we were in the gym one afternoon. It was a couple of months before I went. And he just said, I think I'm going to go home to Spain for the summer. And I was like, wow, I'd love to go to Spain for the summer. And that was the day I decided I went wow. home and I started looking up apartments in Barcelona. Yeah, and I, I just literally gave a text to all my client base and I said, if I was to leave in the next three months, would you be okay with that? Would you be fine? Would you be ready to go? And all my clients said, you have to go. You know, the world that has to be seen, have fun. Only one of them tried to tell me that it was a big mistake and, you know, you're never going to make it. You'll be back with your tail between your legs. He was, he was actively trying to dissuade me from going out of fear. But that's his limitation, not mine. Yeah, uh, But Spain was always my dream. And I knew that 
from building a one-to-one client base, I could probably go and build an online base. I had no reason to necessarily believe I could do it, but there was demand for my service in a one-to-one capacity. So I felt there was going to be an online capacity. I didn't have the biggest online client base in the world before I went, but yeah, sometimes you just got to, you got to jump and learn to grow the wings on the way down. Yeah. Just like, learn, learn, like, and that's something that I think a lot of people need to kind of stop and accept. Like sometimes you're not going to be prepared for it. Just jump and learn as you go. And a lot of us are learning as we go. Well, you don't take a journey in life in the car by trying to anticipate every traffic light along the way. You just got to go with it. Yeah. The lights never go green when you want them to go green. Uh, that's, and that's how I've always seen life. It's to my detriment and to my sometimes weakness. It depends. But I would argue overall, it's serving. Yeah. And I'm, by not, I'm not trying to sound overly self-congratulatory. <laughs> I'm the first to admit my own. Oh, I meet you, mate. Oh, yeah. and, and sometimes it's kind of hard to kind of, you have to check yourself a little bit. It's like, am I speaking in a way that is a little bit more, a little bit grandiose or am I being quote unquote insp- uh, inspirational? Very good point. And yeah. that was another part of my social media, if you like, overhaul. I, I stopped putting my personal life up and I stopped trying to be, I started trying to be a bit less anecdotal because I did notice that even though the intentions were good, that element of grandiosity you can have when you're speaking about your own experience where as much as you have good intentions it can come across very virtue signaling and i I noticed that that was a trap that i could potentially fall into without any intent because most trainers are trying to be good human beings not every trainer comes across well on social media and it's just something that i've had to pay close attention to as well what's what's your uh, your phrase uh, good intentions bad advice yeah, that was just something that land, that I was thinking about very briefly the other day. Somebody asked me a question and it reminded me of when I gave my sister, both my sisters, advice. And instead of using their self-awareness, I used my opinion and projection. Yeah. And two very strong life lessons. Now I'm obsessed. Don't tell people what to think. Try teach them how to think. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was good intentions. And if you asked me back then, I would have said I was a good human being like anybody else. But it was bad advice. Bad advice. Yeah. Um... If someone kind of was to log on to your Instagram right now, they see either in the top line or the third line, I can't remember which one it was, no more diets. What is the no more diet movement? It, I don't even think of it like a movement almost, but... Um, you, have, you have to, because I have that as a tagline for this podcast. You have to think of it as a movement. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's call it a movement. <laughs> and basically, basically you, you'll know yourself, I'm sure, that one of biggest barriers to i think success in any area of life is very dichotomous thinking and especially false dichotomies that something is all of answer a or all of answer b with no middle ground and what i had noticed because i used to do this and this was in one of my first blogs is i had to stop and reflect why was i always on plan or off plan why was i always eating egg white omelets or two tubs of ice cream and i could never find that middle ground Mm. and i started really asking myself that question to get off the bandwagon entirely, completely get off the bandwagon. Whilst there was the internal dialogue of the on the plan versus off the plan throwing stones at each other, I could just pick up all those stones and build my own little temple of happiness, if you like, internally. And I noticed that that changed my entire life. And I, I personally ended up going through an experience where I went through that little phase after competing where I had to you know, fix my relationship with food and stuff, and that went well. But I was, I was, and I'm still no longer on or off the diet. I'm very much 
someone who does drop body fat as and when he thinks it will benefit his life and when he wants to feel good for certain things and if he thinks he's letting the reins slip a bit too quick. But yeah. I'm also the first to say enjoy life. It's a self-awareness game. It's an absolute self-awareness game. I mean, you mightn't want to sacrifice things in such a way that you get on to 10% body fat. And you might. I have no idea. So the idea behind the no more diet is just get away from this idea that dieting is something that you do or don't do. Yeah. Much like you kind of get away from the idea that spending money and saving aren't things that you kind of do or don't do. You, you know your salary. You know, relatively speaking, your budget. You've never been in a situation where you thought, fuck, I didn't save money this week. Look, we'll throw away all the savings mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we'll start saving next Monday and we'll hope to be richer next week. But that's what mm-hmm. we all do with our calories and we yeah. all do with our diets to some degree. So yeah, it's, it's basically a mindset to step off the, the bandwagon that you cannot fall off the bandwagon. You refuse to keep getting back on. Yeah. Something that I, I, I tend to quote from you uh, with my clients all the time is the fucker button. And oh, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's just, it's a very clever analogy. And whether it's the fuck up button or it's the, the tire analogy, but it just, it's something that kind of holds a lot of weight when talking to a client and kind of discussing and kind of just because you, ha- just because it's a Friday doesn't mean you have to go all in and have like 8,000 calories over the next two days. Or just because you've had one bad meal doesn't mean you say, ah, feck it. Let's just ruin the whole the next week and start next Monday. Well, I think you're spot on because if you, if you're to take someone who, who has a meal, and it goes back to dichotomous thinking, the, the false dichotomies, if you like, that you're inherently doing something bad. No one decision in isolation. If you eat 28 meals a week, you know, four meals a day, 28 meals a week, you have one meal that you wouldn't have necessarily planned to be a, a staple of your diet. That doesn't make it inherently bad. No. But the idea that you would then go and write off four or five days in response to a bad day no longer becomes a bad meal. Now you have a bad diet because more of your diet was calorie filled junk food than it wasn't so you technically have a bad diet in that instance but you didn't actually have a bad meal it was your thoughts about the situation that created the illusion of a bad meal and yeah. the idea of a false dichotomy uh the focus button is exactly what you say it's when you go you know i fucked it completely it's done it's over I, I i said that sentence very casually on a podcast in 2018 and i got so much feedback that i recorded the next podcast called the focus button that's three years ago at this stage i am not exaggerating one little bit Dean when I say emails that I get from clients almost all of them will will reference that podcast or frequent fuck it button pusher or my most downloaded solo episode I have people I have other personal trainers and other people say to me all the time even I was stuck in the fuck it button mentality and I had never heard it said like that and I just said it casually because it's the cycle I used to be in Mm. but it's it's something nice and simple that I think most people can relate to because you know our food environment isn't designed for us to be particularly disciplined or or particularly in control these days. Like it's quite difficult to not go into fuck it mode these days. But if I can encourage people to just take a step back, you know, really yeah. taste food, really understand that food will always be there, no matter how hard they resist it, um, then there's no need to go into fuck it mode. You can enjoy all kinds of foods and enjoy like when you're you want to essentially enjoy your adherent self and enjoy your more flexible self, whatever that looks like to you. Yeah, no, I completely completely agree. Like and it's something that anyone who I any of my clients that I've kind of said it to, like, and they're like, Jesus, who taught of that? And it makes so much sense. And obviously I tell them that I thought of it. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I, I have, um, I'm write, writing a book right now, Dean. I've been saying it for years, right? I've written more this week than I have in the past three years combined. There's something oh. that has just clicked a bit this week. But I, I have a little piece in the book. It's just funny you mentioned that. and Because this has happened not that many times. Five times recently? So it's nothing crazy. But I often get linked a piece of content 
and it's word for word something I've said, copy. And I actually don't necessarily think people are copying me, believe it or not. We're all influenced. And I'm sure if you looked at my content and my personality, you'd be like, yeah. oh, he's, he's influenced by certain people. I'd question more people that think they're not influenced than think they don't have biases. True. But in, in, in the book, I, I talk about authenticity and I was talking about how my answer comes if people say, you know, how, how do you react when people copy you? And my answer is always, they don't. You can copy a paragraph. You can copy a couple of sentences. But you can never copy experience. You can never copy context. You can never copy real world knowledge. You can't, you'll never be 31 year old Paul, you know, with my eating history, my client base, my life, my perspective, my beliefs, my bias, my mm-hmm. stupidity, my ignorance. You'll never be that. And I'll never be you in equal measure. And I think so many of us, this is a complete segue, by the way, but I think it's useful. I think so many of us are so worried about what other people think or get so angry when people copy or get so irritated but nobody will ever excel at being you better than you yeah and it's something that if you were to ask me why i have a decent business now for myself i do think it's because i put my attention in that right place that i will control my own reaction nobody's going to copy me they can copy the words just like i could copy your words or i could copy gary v's words i'll never be gary v and there was yeah. a time when I was younger and influenced that I would have loved to be a mini Gary V. And, and then you realize it's not authentic to you. I'm not that energetic. But yeah, just, just, I wanted to just throw that out there that, you know, yeah. you talked about taking the credit for it. But even if you were, if you were <laughs> copying every single post, I'd be like, go not to, go not to my friend because that message yeah. is going to land different with your mates than it will mine. It's, and and it's, it's so true, especially in the fitness industry, like kind of thinking for yourself is something that's very, very difficult and not often common. Um, this is something that I was told to say to you about kind of thinking for yourself. Um, I, and I did ask Brian, I was like, what can I, what can I ask, say to Paul that's going to get him going? Like, what's, what's going to roil, what's going to roil him up? And <laughs> like, I know myself that in my early days of producing content, like let's say about kind of three, four, uh, four years ago, started filming, blah, 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 putting out more pieces of content. Like you would look at him like, right, that has some verbatim from this character, this influencer, that influencer. And you try your best to put your own spin on it you're always gonna we're all none, none of us are reinventing the wheel here we're just putting our own individual vocab around it our own delivery whether like you're fantastic with the written word and the audio word whereas i may i may excel at the the video the sorry the post side like a carousel and if we're both saying the same thing you're just delivering in a in a, a medium that works best for you and i'm just delivering a medium that works best for me and it's each gonna hit our clients in a certain way it's either gonna emotionally trigger them or, or not? I, I agree. I 100% agree. You know, you talk like you could convert the smallest fraction of your following and have an extremely lucrative business model. Uh, I, I believe it's actually a lot of ego um, when, when we're worried about being copied. Because if if it was as selfless selfless as all trainers say they are, then you'd be happy that the good word is getting spread. Mm-hmm. Nobody's reinventing the wheel. Nobody. Your spot. There's there's 20 exercises and about six principles and we're all on the internet trying to say the same things in a way that makes us slightly stand out so somebody chooses us nobody's picking me because i can spell carbohydrate better than you can spell it people yeah people pick me or you based on something they've seen in the two of us that they feel is worth paying them whether it's in the personality whatever it is i'm with you on that one yeah people by people uh not what they say it's what they do and it's who they are absolutely um, how do you feel? This is a question that I think you might have a good answer for. Uh, how do you feel about the fitness, the state of the fitness industry right now? And whether, not in terms of like kind of fitness, just like coaching full stop. Do you think it's in a good place or a bad place? 
I think I personally think coaching maybe it's just who I follow. I think coaching is really improving. I think most trainers that I'm exposed to and I don't I'm not exposed to a lot, it's mostly just mates. Like I, I've strategically only followed for the most part my favorite athletes uh, and and my clients and my mates. I, 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 the coaches I know have good intentions for their clients. They want to learn, they want to upskill, they're open to being proven wrong. So I think the coaching sense is good. I think everybody's trying to educate people about calorie balance and sustainability and adherence. I think some people have heard James Smith talk about a calorie deficit and have gone to that extreme of trying to oversimplify a deficit as well, which I, I don't think works personally. Mm-hmm. The one thing I, I, I've tried not to in any way get involved in, um, I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, is this strong anti-diet movement yeah. that around now that I feel is just, um, <clears throat> the movement itself is fantastic. You know, healthy behaviors, regardless of what size you are, with the obsession on not dieting, couldn't agree more. But the idea that you would project your negative dieting experiences on the, onto the other is is ludicrous. Yeah. To me, a lot of the anti-diet movement has become for example, is, well, I used to think this, and now I think the extreme polar opposite, and I'm going to tell you what to think in both yeah. cases. And yeah. the message should be, I've had a negative experience with dieting. Perhaps I should seek more context. Perhaps you, you should also seek self-awareness. So for me, this, the state of coaching or the state of the industry, and again, could be my bias, my availability, is two strong movements of intentional weight loss versus anti-diet doing the rounds that is just like everything in life to polarize extremes because humans aren't amazing at settling in the middle. Other than that, I do think most trainers have very good intentions. Uh, I think obviously there's always going to be fad diets. I think there's going to be people willing to manipulate people's insecurity, but I'll always put the onus back on my clients or my friends to, you know, know when you're getting taken for a ride. You know, like if you buy it once, cool. If you buy a fad diet once, if you get stung once or twice, understandable. If you keep going back, you know, and to, to keep going back into the same pattern. It's actually yeah. something I tell my clients that, you know, some people enter new fat loss phases with evidence-based approaches on its most basic level, like like a calorie-appropriated diet and protein and things like that. But they're still doing it with that same all or nothing, well, if I accept, go excessively over my calories, then my diet's ruined mentality, yeah. which is the exact same mentality that they, quote-unquote, failed the previous fat diet by. So it's actually trying to break patterns. I think people are actually trying to get. I think a lot of the times people are looking for new cognitive resources or cognitive skills and tools to call upon so that they're not actually accepting that they are their thoughts. This is, so I could go down this rabbit hole yeah. because I, I, I'm heavily, I, so there's a wonderful little book that maybe if anyone's listened to this, I would suggest they read it called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. It was recommended by one of my clients to my girlfriend and then she recommended it to me. And she said to me, I know you don't usually read stuff like this i know it's not generally for you but i think you'll enjoy it i did i i I really enjoyed the book it's a really nice book if you're into in any way spirituality but it's really going to challenge you on why you have just assumed your thoughts are true like what makes you think you can rely on your thoughts one really nice example he uses is that you have a voice in your head that runs all day your voice is running now it's making judgments about me there's paul with his you know silly beard and and then you'll see me in the street and I'll have my headphones in and I won't say hi. And you'll be thinking, oh, hey, Paul. Oh, Paul didn't say hi to me. Why didn't he say hi? God, he can be so rude sometimes. Well, why is he rude? I mean, sometimes he can be bad mannered, but he's always so bad mannered. And then that little stupid voice in your head has yeah. taken a situation that you can't possibly predict and made a very damning verdict because it's safer to do so. And then I'll meet you later and I'll say, oh, I didn't see you in the street. What's the crack? What's the and crack? you've already decided 
yeah, I've decided that, you know, the voice in your head has meant me to be the enemy in that story in your mind just due to me ignoring you in the street. But I, I, it's really a fascinating read. It'll, it'll challenge you on why that voice in your head that you rely on isn't inherently true, why a lot of us don't begin to challenge it, how a lot of us lack the cognitive skills, if you like, to, mm. or we, we just don't have those resources to call upon yet that we can to break certain patterns or certain thought processes that we're in. And I think that's a really important skill for dieting because it's the feast or famine absolutist mentality that's, that's costing a lot of people, not going a couple of calories over what they said they would. Yeah. That's a that's way it. long-winded answer to your question. No, no, perfect. Um, I think... I think like we touched on this earlier on, like kind of finding the gray. There's a lot to be said about finding the gray and like the, 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 the dichotomy of it, like kind of be like, I watched, um, do you know the show SAS with Aunt Middleton and the lads? I haven't seen it. It's, de- it's decent now. Like I, I, I fell into it like kind of a few years back, like one of the, one of the series was really good. And it's like finding the gray man. And it's, 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 it's a great thing. Like kind of be the gray man, kind of, you don't stand out for being like, uh, too good or too bad. You just, middle of the pack you're really good but you're great at being the gray man and i think with kind of nutrition and kind of fat loss approach it's another one to kind of go on also it's like you don't need to be good all the time you don't need to be bad all the time like finding that flex being very very flexible with your approach is something that a lot of people need to kind of go ahead and look towards i i agree with the flexible thing it's probably the one skill that nutrition is the one skill you definitely do want the gray i used to work with a, a woman um she was listening to this she will know i'm going to say this so she, she multimillionaire, runs her own business, worldwide company, like really smart with it lady. But even on our first call, one thing she said was, right, I'm ready, all or nothing, you know, 100%, all in. You know, I have those skills, you know, it's taking me so far in business. And I remember saying to her that those skills that have taken you so far in business, it's going to be very hard. They're not the skills that will take you far in your diet as such. This is something you're going to need to be patient, calm. You know, mm-hmm. gray, like there's, you can't even define perfect diet or clean eating in the scientific research. So like, good luck you doing it. And, um, and that's just one of those times where she had to really dig deep and reflect into, you know, a sense of self that she wasn't used to. Because when you have a set of skills in life that have taken you so far, obviously those principles tend to go across into other areas of life. But I think nutrition is the one time, and I would be genuinely intrigued if people disagreed to know why. I think it's that one time you want to find as much unspectacularity yeah. Peace, calmness that you can possibly find and just just because you're going to need food till the day you die like you can make millions and retire in six weeks well six months six years whatever it is but you can't just retire from food it has to be something you can do in the calmest most peaceful most relaxed way and that mightn't be always easy at the start obviously that sounds so lovely and simplistic obviously like driving lessons you do have to learn to do so and give it your attention but the goal is to make it as enjoyable as possible for life it's quite the opposite of a lot of the you know, successful mindset of that black or white that does serve in other areas of life. Yeah. And, and, and it's understanding like kind of where it's having that emotional intelligence to kind of understand where being all in is going to benefit you more. Like kind of when it's your relationship, of course you are full black, full white, you're either all in or you're all out. But when it comes to nutrition, it, you do need that gray. You do need that, um, that flexible approach because it's going to go on a long, long, long last time. If you're in any way kind of either, let's say white or gray, when it comes to your relationship, that's not going to last. Well, you, you said emotional intelligence there, and I think that's a really, it's just, I couldn't put a, like, use better words in that context. It is, it does really require that element of emotional intelligence, that knowledge of self, self-emotion, self-regulation. I think it's so important. It's massive. It is. I, I first heard it when I, to kind of quote a lad that we spoke about already, Gary V. Uh, EQ, emotional intelligence, it's something I came across when reading his, it was the Ask, Ask Gary V book, wasn't it? 
Yeah, spot. that book had, had a very profound impact on me personally. Hmm. Uh, it was just the book I needed at the right time. <clears throat> Perfect. Yeah. Did you go to his, were you in Ireland when you came over to speak in the mansion house, I think it was? I didn't have, this is, I wanted to go. I couldn't afford to go. I didn't have enough money for tickets to that. Yeah. Um, and I went to see him just a couple of months later in Germany instead when I did have <laughs> enough money. <laughs> but, I know, I know. But, like this, it's both. That made you buy into the process a lot more, I imagine, because you had to go through more hoops to, in order to get there. Like going to Dublin like, is one thing, yeah, grand. But the fact that you went all the way to Germany to go see perhaps the same, the same uh, presentation that was in Dublin had a more profound effect on you because you had to go a little bit further and put a little bit more effort in and have more follow through. Well, you might not believe me, but there's a weird part to me. I love, I know this sounds so strange. I love the struggle part. I really do. It was a weird part to me that I enjoyed not being able to afford it and thinking like I'm going to build a business for myself. No doubt about that. It yeah. also did, um, it also everything for a reason. Like if I hadn't gone to Germany, I went to Germany to see him speak and he, I knew he was speaking at 5 p.m. that day. He was the last speaker. And I, I, I saw the door that all the speakers had been uh, coming in and out of. And at about 10 to 5, the, it was just in, interlude or interval or whatever you want to call it. And I noticed the door was unmanned. So I just went in. I just walked up towards the stage and I just decided to see if I could just go through the door and nobody said a word to me nobody stopped me maybe they assumed I was part of the crew and I just ended up going backstage talked to Gary V for about 10 minutes and got <laughs> chatting to him and that, that's how that's how I got him on the podcast I got him on the podcast then six months later I flew to New York I I asked him would he be on the podcast and he said email me right now and put Irish guy podcast on the top and I'll do it and I was like fuck this cool and I emailed him that second like with him in front of me and I didn't hear back from him that was August, the, I want to say the 27th, 28th that year. I just remember it because we, I had flown from Barcelona where I was on holiday to Germany. And then I didn't hear back from him until January. And I remember I got the emails. You know, you get the notification on the top of your phone. And I got yeah. the notification that said new, you know, new email, Gary Vaynerchuk at GaryV.com or whatever. And I was like, holy shit, he actually responded. It's, it's not, happening. Not for, for, yeah, five, four or five months later, but it happened. So. You know, I that podcast meant a lot to me on a personal level. It's no big deal in the context of business. It didn't. I remember one or two of the lads were like, "Oh, this could change your business." It had no had fuck all of an effect. To tell you the truth, who cares? It's one podcast in one moment in time. But personally, it meant a great deal to go to New York and spend the morning there. Uh, yeah. So that mightn't have happened had I had I been able to go to a four to Dublin. Maybe I wouldn't have had the opportunity to sneak back. And and, and it's having that like perspective to look at as like no I, I wasn't meant to go to the Dublin one I was meant to go to the Germany one because I got to meet Gary B and there's no telling like did you gain a couple of clients as a result of that podcast maybe one maybe no. two but it's I, I don't think though down the line sorry I thought there was a question sorry, I, no, I, don't, I, don't, sorry. I don't think I gained many <laughs> <laughs> there's um it's like if you gain one or two clients as a result of that one podcast great happy days but it's let's say you go to approach somebody for another podcast down the line and they're like oh I had Gary V on if you never had, and he says yes, as a result of you having Gary V on, it's that kind of paying it forward almost. It gives you more social weight. Yeah, it definitely. There's definitely that aspect to it, um, for sure. So that was kind of a, a cool thing. I was going to say one other thing too. I lost my train of thought. My bad. Ah. If it comes back to me, I'll tell you. <laughs> There's, um, you have a couple of clients who have gone on and gotten some serious results. Uh, thank you. I would like to think I have more than just a couple in the last couple of years but yeah we're, no, we're Irish things, we don't we don't play everything we're Irish not me I I try and say things as I actually see them no 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 I, I just don't want to downplay the hard work of so many of my clients yeah I've been I've been very blessed to work with some people who have had some quite life-changing results 
Well, and like we're, t- we're not talking like 10 pounds, 20 pounds, we're talking like 50, 50 odd pounds. And, and, and as a, of course, now just to the word, word to address this, that's subjective. Like 50 pounds to one person is 10 pounds to another. Like, but for any client to kind of go ahead and kind of that's come underneath your ring to kind of go ahead and drop 50 pounds plus, like, is, is massive. Is there something different about them type of people? When, like, by the time they come to you, have they been through a number of different fad diets, a number of different coaches, blah, blah, blah? And you have to be a little bit more careful when addressing their coaching. Well, the first thing is I probably charge, maybe I'm wrong here. I think I charge a little bit more. I definitely charge a little bit more than I used to. And I think when someone's going to pay me what I ask for, um, I think they're ready. Uh, I also try and make people very aware that this is what you can expect from me. And this is what I will expect from you. And I try not to accept people if I not not this isn't a moral judgment thing. This is more of a I don't want you to be pissed off and waste your money thing. But I try not to take on people if I deem them not to be in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. People who generally make those type of transformations have generally yeah they're done with fad dieting. Sometimes they've just create you know that old Jungian philosophy of making the unconscious conscious and they've just seen a, a, a piece of reality that perhaps they don't like. I do think the reason. I think I do create a good, I try my best to create a good environment and a good relationship between me and my clients and make them, making them aware. I'm not here to tell you what to weigh. I'm not here to tell you how to eat. I'm not here to make you feel any way about anything. I'm here to serve you in whatever way you need me. And that is none of my business what you do with the information, but I will give you the information. If I suspect a hole in your train of thought or logical reasoning, I will tell you. If you choose to ignore that, that is fine. It is up to you. I will not let it go if I suspect flawed thinking or flawed knowledge because it only takes one hole in the whole thinking process to mess up the whole system. If you come into this diet thinking carbohydrates are inherently fattening, then you will go into your new diet afraid of carbohydrates all the time. But if Mm -hmm. I say, whoa, 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 hang on a second there, carbohydrates contain the exact same calories per gram as protein. They just do two different roles in the body. That might make you think a bit different. You can choose what you want then. You can go back to high carb, moderate carb, or low carb diet. You have the information. But if you choose not to introduce carbs for still fear of quote-unquote fattening that is not logical reason that is false belief that is something that you're failing to challenge and that mentality that stubborn fixed mentality is the mentality i find that doesn't tend to do quite as well as people that are open to change i have one of my clients on the podcast lisa and she now is nearly up to 40 episodes of her own she's a really good example because she was stubborn very stubborn i asked her to do certain things and she she would sooner argue about their implementation than she would implement and she said this in the podcast this isn't confidential information she's happy yeah. to share it and you know i would never battle back i think i don't know if people expect me to, like i'm like yeah that's fine like if you don't want to eat fruit and veg no panic mm-hmm. you know and then, and then it's like well what will i do instead i'm like well i, I have no idea i like you'll have to find an alternative if you want to try and get full on 1600 or 1800 calories or whatever it is and you don't want fruit and veg you're going to have to find a way just just little things like that but when people are open to change, when people are open to, to breaking patterns, you know, the reason I think it's very important not to judge people is because I have shortcomings in my life. I have areas where I'm weak. I, it just doesn't happen to be nutritional knowledge. And if you came into my life and made me feel stupid for it, I wouldn't last five minutes with you. You know, I often compare personal training in many ways to a therapist, not in the actual job, but if you had an issue with how you think and you wanted new thoughts and you went to a therapist and they made you feel silly and they made you feel shameful for how you were thinking you would never go back you'd be no sooner out the door but trainers somehow do this to their clients sometimes 
And I've seen by just creating an environment of trust, unspectacularity, good communication, honesty, yeah. telling them that, look, I will never give out to you for what you eat. Never, 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 never. But if your knowledge is flawed and your logical reasoning is poor, I will make you aware of that. After that, the choice is yours. Here are the principles. You know, I, I, here, are the, like, here are the principles of money management. I'm not expecting you to go and be Tony Robbins. Why don't you just go and save a few quid? And after that, it's all personal. Like if you could come along to me and say, Paul, you know, you can make your business seven figures now. You can go to seven figures a year, but all you need to do is work 15 hours a day. And it's like, 15, I don't want that life. I mean, yeah. I'm happy doing my thing. Like, you know, did you ask me what I'm looking to get out of this? And I, like, it sounds almost too trivial, but a lot of trainers don't ask their clients what they're looking to get out of the experience. What are you looking to get out of this? And how am I going to be a part of that? And by, when it's all said and done, what would you have want to say you've achieved? And then that helps clients cultivate their own self-awareness and their own identity along the way. I know there's a long answer, but I will end on this part, the answer. I think a lot of people who've done silly fad diets have been left so out of touch with their own internal cueing around food, internal cues, hunger cues, fullness cues. And I don't think you can live like that forever. So I'm trying to make people bridge the gap. And this is a very simplistic way of saying it because I work with my clients sometimes over a year. I was with that lady I mentioned, Lisa, for 15 months. There's an external knowledge that you need to understand calories you don't get an opinion on that it exists you don't yeah. have to count them but they exist but then there's the internal wisdom to know how you want that principle to affect your life you could tell me paul you can back be back six percent body fat shredded to the bone and i'd be like deadly man yeah please give it to me and then you'd be like great first thing no more pints on weekends with your mate or your girlfriend and i'm like no thanks doesn't well, fit nice. into my current identity right now you know yeah. i'll take 11 percent body fat and slightly less um you know dietary adherence if you like because i have that self-awareness and you're not going to come along and change that and nobody is until i'm ready and i want my clients to have that exact same knowledge someone comes along and says well don't eat that because there's toxins oh really how much what what's toxins precisely and in what quantity and in what quantity are they harmful and in what quantity are they harmless and honestly man you start saying that to clients and then they start saying that to their silly aunt and it changes the dynamic of how people think about food yeah, like something I try to get across, like on uh, my social media posts, it's like teach some people to ask better questions. And yeah. like, I don't, I, I released a podcast today and it was like, kind of, I want to lose weight. And what's just what's wrong with that kind of phrase and what's wrong with that kind of thought process? It's like, if you come to me and you said you want to lose weight, it's like, right, ask a better question. If you, if you take lift, open up Google on your phone and you simply ask, uh, I want a, a recipe for dinner, millions. But if you ask Google a better question, I want a 600 calorie dinner with approximately 40 grams of protein that takes roughly 20 minutes to make. You get exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Specificity. I, I do agree. It, it's a weak identity. Uh, and it's something I would try and make clients aware of. If someone said to me in a, in a request, you know, I'd like to lose weight. You, you do have to remind them kindly that, you know, specificity, you know, how much, five pounds, a hundred pounds, 200 pounds. You, you need to know that. <clears throat> because as, again silly as it sounds i'm currently in a small bit of a fat loss phase just for february and all i've done is remove calories from my meal too because it's the most practical thing to do notice it's mm -hmm. no crazy diet it's nothing on an overhaul i've just looked at what i eat meal too and i've decided i don't want the, the most of the fats and almost all of the carbs in that meal i've taken my diet down by about five six hundred calories a day no big tongue in that Nobody does. I know what I'm looking to get out of it. Approximately five pounds of fat. Should achieve it by the end of February. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But knowing that and then knowing that how long it actually takes to get that. Like nobody's losing 100 pounds in five weeks. Mm. That kind of way. 
Again, mm. I, I know this all sounds a bit simplistic, Dean, but you may agree that these are things that aren't necessarily encouraged yeah. for people to think and have that self-awareness and sense of self. It, it, it's, it's something that like I'm speaking on later on, on, a, on to a lot of students of a personal training uh, course. And it's something that I, I do think that they do try to get across. But when you're dealing with people at the entrance level of kind of becoming a PT, becoming a coach, it's how do I get people ripped? How do I get people on like in incredible shape so that I can use their before and after picture to get more clients? It's yeah. like teaching people how to kind of retain and how to kind of teaching people how to retain a client and then get them results and then almost like I'll become a friend to that to that person and get them consistent results over a period of time and changing their process. Because if you and I teach, we teach people how to fish or analogy that I, an analogy that I kind of came up, we teach people how to tie our shoes. How many times were you taught how to tie your shoes? Once. And you've been taught it the same way ever since. If we teach people yeah. how, to, how to correctly diet, we only ever have to teach them once. And they, they understand the principles. And then it's just the, the method and the application that's possibly going to change here and there. But at the end of the day, you're still consuming calories. You're still tying your shoes, whether it's a Velcro or it's a not. Yeah, 100%. And that's my analogy. That's my analogy. You can have the fuck, you can have the fuck up one. That's my one. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up a post now as soon as this thing. Why you tying your shoelaces is dying? Why yeah, that, the same thing? That's, that's because like, you know I have another podcast next to like, Grand, do you want to be at Canva for a few minutes? <laughs> Just, uh, right, bud, we're going to wrap it up now, but I've got two questions left to kind of go for it, right? So, yeah, sure. what you're on, are you familiar with the show Gogglebox? Is that the... No, I'm not familiar with it, no. All right, so uh, it's a TV show I'm where you're... not the best man. Sorry, not I'm not the best man for So if you're, you're... It's a TV show where you're filmed watching TV. What show are you being filmed to watch to get the best television where you are a complete lunatic? Where do I lose myself the most? Yeah. The one I get most entertained by is... Have you seen Money Heist, Casa de Papel? I've watched season one. Yeah, so that's the one I'm most entertained by, but the one where I actually lose my shit is a, a live football match. Yeah. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. Yeah, anything live football. Like when Leo Messi plays, he's got my strings. He's got me by the strings and he can just make me dance around the sitting room. I remember he scored against United a couple of years back. I, I don't know if you remember. Do you, do you follow football? Oh, we, we, we spoke about Messi and Ronaldo. Oh, yes, we have. Yeah, of course we have on the DM. Do you remember the time Lionel Messi danced around uh, Jerome Boateng and chipped Manuel Neuer? I do. I, 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 I felt like an out-of-body experience in the kitchen just watching that match. <laughs> how he could do that to, to a defender and then chip a goalkeeper on his weak foot. And then before the game, Neuer had said, I've never met Messi in person, but I'll show him who's boss when I do. And yeah. then for Messi to do that, yeah, that was just crazy. I, I remember that match and he, he's, he's, he's a freak now like I'm a Ronaldo ball rider like we've I've, I've, I've told you that before like and yeah. like I have the exact same thing so I was watching the Juventus play against Inter Milan there during the week so they played last two nights ago excuse me and then they played at the weekend Ronaldo scored, scored two and that's my my thing if, I, if Ronaldo's on the television I am I'm not I'm not Dean anymore yeah I get that the reason I, I agree with you about the Ronaldo he's unbelievable but like I think We'll, Ronaldo's the best goal scorer the best footballer you'll see I just think Messi can make things that nobody else could do in that way just the, just the close control and the effortlessness it looks like he doesn't even try yeah I, it's beautiful and like I've given up comparing because I just appreciate same, same. I, just, I just appreciate the fact that like I'm 31 years of age same as you like kind of we've had the pleasure of growing up in this period the golden age of the two greatest footballers that have ever existed 
Ronaldo oh, was going to go down. At, yeah. He's 36 years of age. You know, that's know. The, the comparison thing is over because Messi doesn't seem that happy at Barcelona and Ronaldo's 36 years of age. And it's just clear they're not. When one of them didn't win the Ballon d'Or, you knew, you knew that that was the first, the beginning of the end of the era, isn't it? Yeah, the decline, the decline of us. But Ronaldo's playing phenomenal now. I think he might snatch the Ballon d'Or this coming year. I am with you, and he, he even already, even though we're in February, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he deserves it. There was another moment a couple of years back, two, three years ago, where Messi scored against United. I, I think I have this right. Messi just kind of slipped the ball through Ashley Young's legs and then just passed it in around the gay on the far post. And that was another moment that I just thought, what kind of freak am I watching here? Freaks. They're just, they're just freaks. Yeah. End of the day, they're just freaks. freaks. Um, and the second question, what is your Wagamama Camille DF order? And now I know you're in Vietnam, so you're probably getting the, like, the top level notch food. What is your Thai food? My which food? What's your order? Your order in Thai food. What is your order? I'm any order that I can have. Uh-huh. Oh, um, oh, it depends on the week. I get, I get go through phases. No, because I, I will go to a takeout and like it, and I will absolutely burn the balls off it until I'm sick of it. Like songs, I listen to, I hear a song on Shazam, and I will listen to it 31 times in a row, and I'm done with it. And then a new song, and I like that song. Same with food. So there's this, there's a vegan. That's boring. It's between pizza and a vegan burger place that's actually near here. But I just tend to repeat the order until I'm sick of that order, and then move on to the next order. What a boring answer. Right now, there's a wrap. There's a new place beside us, and it's wraps. But they're the biggest wrap on the planet. And there is. Right now, I'm, it's actually why I asked you to do this podcast 30 minutes earlier. I told you I wanted to catch it before. Because you're going to get wrapped. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally it. I don't live the most, um, you know, when you think business, fitness entrepreneurship that a lot of personal trainers portray on Instagram, you know, I, I am the absolute opposite of that. I want to do this podcast early so I can catch a wrap sandwich before the shop closes. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I love a McDonald's wrap. McDonald's wrap of the day is a diet hack, and it's something that I kind of <laughs> preach to my clients. Like, it's it's, all, it's still 500 calories. It's a decent lunch. Get it into you. Yeah, there you go. Whatever uh, works. Savage. Paolo, I'm going to end this, man, buddy. Already. All right, I'll just press the old button. Thanks for coming on, bud. Um, savage, savage chat. Really, really good. Happy. Where can I? Where, ah, of course I'm happy. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Just quickly there before I go ahead and call it day. Um, let's see. Instagram podcast standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be going ahead to everyone, anyone who's watching this, and I'll be going ahead and kind of putting all of uh, Paul's contactable social handles in below. Very, very kind. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I hope nah, you enjoyed. I enjoyed I, it thoroughly. I had a fantastic time. <laughs> Excellent. So, cheers, Paul. No worries, man. Uh,